Hello there. Just a bit of a content warning for this episode. Towards the end, there is discussion of disordered eating. It directly follows the conversation on the last song of the album, New Year's Day. So if that's not a topic you'd like to hear about today, you can enjoy the main discussion before it comes up, or you can just come back for the next album. I promise we won't take it personally. Also, on this album, Taylor gets a little mature, and sometimes so does our language. You might want headphones for this one. There will be no explanation. There will only be refutation. That's right. We're here to dive into Taylor Swift's, as she describes it, most cathartic album, Refutation, all lowercase. So who is ready for things to get dark and witchy? Yes. Wow. Very exciting. I thought I was ready, but that intro has sent me over the edge. Look <laughs> at <Like a> reading. <laughs> Before we get into this album, we have a very, very exciting guest with us this week. The fourth roommate of a three-bedroom flat. Please don't tell our <laughs> landlord. Drew Canning. Drew, thank you for joining us. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about how we got to know each other and your, you know, your history with the reason why we're all here today, Taylor Swift. Hello. Um, I became a fan of Taylor's like around the 1989 era. I kind of liked that at 80s. I really like older music in general. Um, so the second that she like uh, engaged with her synth side, I was like, oh, Taylor, you're, you're like encroaching on like my like some of my favorite music um, of all time. So, yes, I would I would absolutely um, love to listen now um, to you, which which is bad because, you know, she has really good music prior to this. But I only looked into that like after I got into 1989. And honestly, after I got into Rep, which was the first album I like was looking forward to. What a time that was in, in the lead up in the the silence and the deleted Instagram and the, the snake posts. and Which can I say, Gosh. I had no, I was not keyed into any of that. Um, oh, okay. I was, I, so I was shocked when I like looked um, and I was like, wait, she hasn't posted for a long time. What's up with that? Huh? She, she chose silence. Yeah, yeah. So this album was released November 10th, 2017, and it was promoted with the lead single, Look What You Made Me Do, followed by Ready For It, Endgame, New Year's Day, Delicate, and Getaway Car. Do we know any of these songs in, in, in actually hearing them or in perhaps in refutation of them? So sometimes when I look at the track list, for these albums, I think to myself, I've surely not heard these few songs before. And then I listen to them. I'm like, oh, I definitely have. And I've just never realized what they were. I know for a fact, Reputation, that the only song I've listened to is Look What You Made Me Do, which I actually sought out, um, which I haven't wow. really done. I know. I remember I, we were in Master at the time and it was... Um, people were talking about this new this new single and, and the new album coming out. And I was like, well, I guess I I guess I have to watch it now that everyone uh, around me is telling me to watch it. Um, I just remember being like, this is not what I expected at all. <laughs> <laughs> They're like listening to this Taylor Swift song, and I was like, oh, I've heard of Taylor Swift. I I can imagine a Taylor Swift song, sure. And I watched it, and I was like, wow, lots of talking. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> slam poetry. <laughs> Honestly, but I was very excited. It, it's it's a very I watched the music video, um, which is which is mm-hmm. very striking. It's it's it definitely made a made an impression, made a lasting impression <laughs> to this day. <laughs> I was going to ask if you'd seen the video because I feel like that song in particular is almost like you you can't separate it from from the visuals so i'm glad absolutely um i probably will revisit the the video for for the podcast um, i'm actually quite excited to do that now that i've just decided uh right here and now to, <laughs> to do so shocker i did revisit it earlier today to be like is this something i would recommend them seeing as wow. they listen to the album and let's say i enjoyed the video my my thoughts on the song may in fact shock people but we'll get to that later <laughs> um but what about, what about you Rafe? do you know any of these songs have you seen i would like to go video? out on a limb and say that i have not heard a single song <laughs> off this album i don't think i don't think i could have conjured up <laughs> what the hook of look what you made me do sounded like before emily um described it to me the other one. <laughs> I, I wonder if, Daniel, you can make a prediction based on my very enthusiastic reception of 1989, if I will receive this <laughs> album well. Um... <laughs> no. I no. really... It's <laughs> such a divisive album that... Very fair. I, I really could see you going either way. Um, I also was like, oh, I think there are really some songs that are going to pull his heartstrings on red. And you're like, I'm bored. So it's, it's an impossible <laughs> to say. say. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, she really was like, we're going full send on the blank space um, parody type character that I'm mm. writing. And you mm, enjoyed okay, that. I heard. So I didn't. It's definitely not country. So <laughs> it's, we know it's not one thing you don't like. <laughs> So for this album, uh, she worked with far fewer people than her last two albums, working almost exclusively with Max Martin, Shellback, and Jack Antonoff. And uh, she had features from Ed Sheeran and Future. This era, written in the midst of several gossip cycles that were against her, was pretty divisive, as we said, and didn't create any major, major hits, as we have also said, except for some slow burn radio success with Delicate. And I guess we're going to find out why. Is the distaste <laughs> so warranted, you know? <laughs> um, but Drew, do you have anything that you're looking forward to on this listen? Or do you have any suggestions for how to listen to this album? Any things that we should keep an ear out for? What's your advice? I, like, maybe not necessarily suggestions, but I I remember listening to Call It What You Want in, like, the snow at nighttime, and that is definitely the vibe of this album mm. for me, the, the aesthetic. If, the, if an aesthetic can be lent to an album, which I think it definitely can, um, that is the aesthetic of this album for me. Um, mm-hmm. I also am really looking forward to um, our discussion of Endgame because of Daniel's... Um, <laughs> You know, beef with Ed Sheeran um, that I think uh, has is a continuing thread in this podcast. Um, I can't wait to see that come to a head. I said one thing about Ed Sheeran, all right? I don't think Ed Sheeran sucks. I think he has a lot of talents. And I also, in fact, on the Red episode said that his high uh, ethereal vocals sounded very beautiful to create this nice um, cushion to support the, the lyrics and all the, the melodies that they were crafting. So, you know what? It's all it's uh, not all negativity. Well, those are all my notes. Um, so yeah, fantastic. You should know that this album is written chronologically, so it's 
you can in in some okay. ways craft your 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 idea of a story around it that way. Your narrative. Your narrative, yes. Um yeah, I'll see you cool, in a yeah. week. Fantastic. Yay. See you then. Fandy well. <laughs> I feel like I've taken five weeks off from this podcast and just like forgotten how to talk all together. That's um, okay. <laughs> but, We're um, all learning and growing. It's I, I feel like I'm very like what your reaction was to Red Wraith, like that's what I'm feeling mm. right now. It's like in, mm. in a way, in a way, like, I feel way no particular <laughs> way about this album. <laughs> yeah, 100. It's okay. I I feel the way perhaps you feel, in that I liked it a lot and I'm excited to talk about it. So. Uh, well, I, I please, I literally am gonna lose hey, my job. But um, okay, I don't know if I properly <laughs> transition. But hello, we're back. We took a very long, well, 500 years off after 1989. And we listened. Now we've listened to Reputation, and and we're here to we're here to talk about a very controversial album. So overall, what are our thoughts? Rafe is giving positive vibes. So let's start with you. My experience with this album was that I listened to the first two songs, and then I was like, um, I really hated them. I hated them a lot. Well, not okay. That's I. I've in my in my second listen through, I was like, okay, these weren't as bad as I thought. But it was just it was kind of honestly a very jarring intro ready for it is not the song that i would have picked <laughs> to like start an album with but like live laugh Love, i adore it. it i think it's a great um, choice so we're gonna fight <laughs> let's fight no but i think overall it's just i think it's a really great album you know there's there's a section in the middle that is or like maybe the back half of the album has some songs that i'm just like not as crazy about but i think overall it's like such a listenable album and mm. such a like boppable album it feels very cohesive and i think there's a lot of really good songs and i think there's as i'm sure drew has sort of hinted that she'll bring up a lot there's a fantastic amount of narrative throughout this whole thing you know just in including the the way that the tracks are sequenced absolutely i found that like the starting lines of each song oftentimes completed the story of the last song or expanded upon Mm. the story of the last one so Mm, i will agree with you there i also agree there is a lot of uh, overarching themes, be it with color or with fire and, and death and destruction, or even just different um, implications of the word reputation it was all mm-hmm. very well integrated. Um, you know, I'm sure Drew is uh, champing at the bit. So what, what do you enjoy about this? This album is a fantastic modern, like uh, representation of a bait and switch. The advertising is like the striking of the snake, and then when it, when the snake like you know retreats and goes back away, like that's right, what the I, rest of the, what it turns out the album is. I think one of the most compelling parts is the the navigation of her brand, and and obviously we've discussed through past albums the media's presentation of her and and mm-hmm. you know various things like that, and I think that throughout this she does so many different things with the idea of reputation she just addresses it in so many different ways and some so many different angles that i think it's just i i really like that i didn't know that that was how the album was advertised but i think i i'm intrigued by that yeah i mean ultimately it's like another it's an album about her you know find a guy i guess breaking up with a guy or maybe cheating on that guy and then finding a new guy at the end right. so it's like it's it's like ultimately romance song so i can see why they're like yeah, totally. you know surely we've done enough of that let's just like pretend when we're releasing this that it's not about okay wait a minute now though there is there's a whole other narrative going on there that's not i mean that is there too but there are lots of layers to the narrative that um yes 
I just, my issue, I is, I don't know how many layers I'm supposed to peel away. Like, how much of this is character? Like, there's a lot totally. of Sonic things going on. Like, I literally don't That's know, like, lot. when it's legitimate and when it's, like, ironic, when it's a bit, like, I just, mm. I don't know. And I don't think anybody knows exactly, like, so, like, totally. so like, like, which part of this are you in on the joke? And which part is it just, like, not, not quite living up? But, Emily, go ahead. Mm -hmm. You seem excited. Go. I was just going to say, you've actually put into words something that I was trying to figure out while we were having this introductory conversation, which is, I feel like thematically, the uh, album is very cohesive, but what isn't cohesive in a way is the way in which it's being presented for me. Sometimes the imagery is very clear that it's like, you, you know, look what me and we do. It's like, ah, I know exactly what this song is, and it's very clever, and I see how it's all being put together. But other ones, I'm like, yes, sure, reputation, I got that. And from there, where are we going? Yeah. I understood definitely what this whole work was, but there were intricacies that either... I missed or I was looking for and they weren't there <laughs> that I feel like struck me very much so in this album in ways that I wasn't struck by in previous ones of hers. Do we want to just like get in get into the first song? Yeah. So we could start like trying to pick it. apart how many layers we're supposed to peel away <laughs> and figure out where the, the bits are missing. Um, so if we're talking about pieces missing, the first Wait. thing we're, she's saying is like, you're, you're not going to be getting a lot of melodies on this album. You know, it's like famously <laughs> what I'm known for, my melodies, my songwriting. So like, let's see if I could do an album without what I'm known for. <laughs> Rafe, you hated it. Tell me why, why did you hate this song? <laughs> I just feel like also like with the music video, which I happen to watch, it's like, mm -hmm. it's so jarring. Um, and it's just kind of this like weird, like discount tron like techno kind of nightmare situation and you know okay it is like i i do like the chorus of it i think obviously in the beginning yeah. that's such a harsh shift from the you know like very strong dub it's intentionally um, harsh though don't no you no think? i know no i know <laughs> and she brings it all together at the end which is very nice i mean if we're gonna i i think in the realm of like genuine to not even sarcastic, but whatever, like full like character. Char yeah. And she's doing character work here. This is, this is her. <laughs> she's, she's in, you know, her like bad Taylor character entirely. What do you think you um, liked about the, uh, the chorus? You know, I think I, it's a nice, it's like a nice melody. I don't know. It felt more authentic to the Taylor Swift that I was expecting, I guess. So it was um, like this return to a place that I knew. I mean, it's giving you that classic middle of the night scenario. Mm, mm, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it kind of gives you a reprise from all that aggressive. Yeah, you know what it is? Family. It's the retreat. Like she's striking yeah. at the beginning and then she's retreating during the chorus. Mm. Hello, snake mm -hmm. um, imagery. <laughs> Drew said, I have a thesis and I will be telling you. <laughs> and, and so you should. So you should. Um, I want to hear from, from Emily. What, do you, what did you think about this song? Well, I listened to it for the first time at 1.40 in the morning, and apparently mm -hmm. I was half asleep, and it started, and I was fully awake. Um, so that was fun. Um, I similarly really like the chorus, and I agree really with Drew on this, in that I feel like this kind of sums up a, the narrative of the album in a way in which you have like, this is the sound of this album. You haven't really heard me do this before. And here I'm, I'm showing you the reputation you all see. And then having this more 
familiar sound to Taylor in that, in the chorus, and seeing those two elements, it's very similar to kind of to the sound of 1989, still carrying over into the first um, song of Reputation, I feel like. And so you kind of, in having all of the tracks in Reputation connect to one another, I feel like similarly you kind of get this through line in from 1989 by the sound of this chorus. That's a good point. I don't even know if this is the sound of the album to me no this is not my point but this is very much her version of a kanye west song like if you listen to something like i'm in it off of Jesus, it's exactly that same kind of like growly synth bass and much like um dear john was her version of a a john mayer song this is her like making the type of song of the person that she's going after sure not necessarily to say that it's the musical sound yeah. of this album but i think it's the personification of the mm-hmm. kind of person you know as right saying she's doing oh, a lot yeah, of yeah. character work it's like i think that <laughs> it's a it's a strong introduction into the the image of taylor in this album and the images that she continues like to play with going forward because I, I think she the taylor in the media is a very malleable character i feel like in in this album and it and it appears in similar ways but i think she purposely like varies it throughout the tracks and so this is the introduction of the, of like the media taylor you know i love that i adore that yeah drew what were you what were you going to say the first thing i wanted to note is the title of the song itself um has an ellipses in it um and like that wouldn't seem as intentional if she didn't put it in like a, the title of another song later on in the album so i like made a little note um, about maybe this being hinting at a recurring theme, which actually does pay off later, at least in my own head, it does. I've heard that point. Okay, cool. This song, like I said, it's working on like lots of levels. Like the last time the public checked in with her, like her image was in tatters, and the song comes off as like really bombastic and grounded in a firm stance with like the bass being so low and heavy at the beginning. And like her vocals are as strong as we've seen them too. So it all feels like she's like poised for a public clap back to her naysayers and like for them to be ready for it. And then, so that's one take. But then there's also like the actual lyrics of the song, which are like questioning like a potential lover, like if they're ready for a relationship with her, like as she's such a notorious figure at this point um, that like the notoriety comes with games. Um, And then I could argue that she's also asking herself if she's ready for like the future and what's to come be it the repercussions of like the exile that she had um, or and just like reconciling her relationships and like seeing who's like really there for her still. And like, I think this song is like emblematic of like a lot of amazing songs on this album that like are kind of to me what Bad Blood wanted to be. Um, yep. Gosh, it's like you're reading my notes beat for beat. I can't even, you're like, we're so on the same page. <laughs> I also have, um, I love the sexual, uh, she inserts before the baby let the, the games begin section because it alludes to like a more sexual Taylor coming in the, this album, um, which is cool. I'm going to have to go back and, and listen for that. I'm also, I'm interested in this robber theme that she's introducing um, slash like robber couples because like she's identifying with them. And so like I'm wondering like, hmm, where is this going to go? And there's like some payoff with it. I was uh, later on in the album, I think. I saw that it set up certainly a lot of things on the album. To me, it set up the imagery of of death. She's yeah. talking about, um, you know, how, how she's going to haunt this guy and how she can be a phantom, which is like, she's kind of being flirtatious in the in the song, but in the context of the whole album, it's more like, oh, she is going to die, this character. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is something so mythic about this persona that she's embodying in this song. And like, I thought that that was really a well um, touched on in, in the, on the lyric, touch me and you'll never be alone. Like that is mm-hmm. so mythic, like the myth 
Imagine a Greek myth of like a person who is so notorious that just touching mm. her will ensure that you'll never be left alone for the rest of your life. Well, yeah, I mean, even going back to something like on Speak Now, she has the song Haunted. She's kind of reversing those roles where now she is going to be the one who like it, it's it's yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like a threat. It's like sexy in the, in the terms of the song, but like it can also be very much interpreted like a threat. For other things it sets up, um, this album works a lot with her, the manipulation of her voice, something I sort of talked about last mm. album in I Know Places where she was like screaming through the autotune. Certainly we have over autotune on this album as well, but we also have the use of the Imogene Heap type vocoder. Um, mm -hmm. And that's first established during this bridge and the I see how this is going to go. Touch me and you'll never be alone. So that's the first time her voice is being manipulated and she's losing parts of her parts of her humanity. As an opening song, I think it establishes a lot of the themes, a lot of the sounds that we're going to see in the album. And I think it's just so thrilling. Certainly in the past, we've talked about how she layers together different hooks, different melodic hooks to make it more exciting. Here, she combines the instrumental of the verse and the chorus to like make this very grand finale. And I thought that is like a very <laughs> uh, satisfying payoff. And there's one big thing that we haven't quite touched upon yet, which is before she even starts sing well, singing, she, before she starts spitting bars, if you want to call it that, <laughs> um, she she clears her throat. Did anybody else notice that? I know. That's so cool. And she's like, let me take the mic. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so it's like she's delivering her own like um, her own verse and like a, in a rap battle. Yeah. Kind of. Her own manifesto. Yeah. Yeah. Like, manifesto. Like, I like that. Better let me have a moment. And then she goes in with her with these with these. Uh, I guess it's a rap. I mean, I guess she has bars. It's, it's, I, I imagine. Yeah. It's rhythmic <laughs> speaking. I don't even know where you draw the line of like what speaking and rhythmic speaking and what rap is like. I, I don't know exactly how you want to qualify that. I imagine she had some <laughs> sort of like rap coach. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Actually, I, I think I want to talk about that a little bit more on the next song. So does anybody else yeah, have anything totally. to say about Ready For It or can we go on to Endgame? I'm ready for Endgame. Let's do it. So it, it introduces the first of many title drops, not title of the song, but title of the album. It introduces color themes with the gold imagery where, the, you know, She's talking about how your body is gold. Um, I will say, when I was listening to this song, it's another one where she's doing her rap slash spoken word thing. And I was like, gosh, I don't even know what this would sound like when she's like drafting it on her guitar. It's like, for, for sure, it's like, at the very least, it doesn't sound like a gussied up acoustic coffee shop song. Totally like, she's not. committing to the genre, like it or not. Mm -hmm. And... Um, for me, I would say I don't, uh, especially yeah, this I'm going to take the not option. <laughs> I don't know. Emily, how, how did you react to this song? <laughs> uh, I wrote, so the album is about reputation. <laughs> got it. <laughs> yep. Mm, we got and that reputation. was really just my takeaway from the song. I was like, you did it. You wrote the reputation title track. <laughs> and it just does not get at the things that I appreciate that the other tracks get at, which is this, you know, mm. this nuance of reputation and playing within the preconceived notions of her reputation. I feel like this is just like, hey, I'm Taylor Swift and I have a reputation. <laughs> well, I almost disagree a little, if if you can believe. Ooh, um, go for it, and, Rafe. But I don't, I don't really, and in essence... The song I don't I don't like this song. I don't think it's the best. Um, it's such an annoying hook, don't you think? It's that big reputation, but like it's not pleasing. To it's me not. Either. It's not for me. There are there's several other problems, but what I what I will <laughs> and what I'm willing to give it is that I think I think this really complements um, delicate in a way that I've just was thinking about. Yes, I, you I agree. I also 
put this song into conversation with Delicate in that I was like, Delicate makes sense to me. Reputation is just so one note in comparison. Mm, 100%. The song is called it's Endgame. Like, Wait a minute. It's called Reputation, Endgame. Endgame. Yeah, I know. I just fully rewrote the song title in my head because you <laughs> <Totally>. know what? <laughs> that's what it, that's the impression it gave me. And I feel like we talk a lot about the relatability of Taylor Swift's themes, mm. the narratives. And this one this being about <laughs> me and this person, we both have big reputations. It feels very niche for being a very general narrative being conveyed do you know Fantastic. what i mean absolutely mm, totally it's like I, I guess it kind of works for a, like if you're talking about it in like a theatrical sense it's like it works for the character that she's crafting it works for the arc totally. but like usually even in theater it's like you, you also want to apply an emotional nugget that everybody can relate to at the end of the day even if it's right. like i don't have this like huge audience in front of me but it's also like let me play a little bit of a seed like hmm, how, how am I being considered? Like, how other people perceive me is not necessarily the person that I, I see myself to be. Like, some, I don't know. There's usually some extra thing that everybody can relate to. Yeah, yeah. There's an, there's there's an no extra layer to kind of bridge it. And yeah, I just feel like it's so lacking in that respect. It feels very uh, song by committee. Like, it's like, we're going to take the three biggest artists of this time and we're going to put them all in this one very... <laughs> like radio friendly song and we're just going to like mm-hmm. force a number one hit and it, it wasn't that it surely was not a mm-hmm. hit even so that's it's, mm-hmm. a, it's like a failure in in every respect to me in every respect okay i i will say that there are some things i i like about this this song um i do think this song um ultimately there there are more things that are failing with it but i do want to know future says in um in his verse i got a bad boy persona that's what they like and I think that that kind of pokes holes in this um, whole like big reputation posturing chant slash hook that um, is like what we're supposed to focus on. But I think behind that is this nod to artifice that is a uniting theme on this album in general. Like after the chant, like um, she juxtaposes that with this synth section that I don't want to hurt you that automatically like becomes more vulnerable and strips away like this artifice of this big mm-hmm. chanting uh, hook. Really unexpected for me, at least when I'm first listening to this song in a way that I did not like. Um, but I like um, at least narratively what it's um, representing because it is another like example of the snake striking and then retreating kind of vibe um, sonically. Um, and also I want to say like by embodying the snake, I think at least the way I read it is like Taylor is attempting to subvert like the narrative that's been going on in Western culture, like since Adam and Eve, like of the serpent being deceptive and actually Satan and linking the serpent to Eve and like using it to decry the character of women, like as an entire demographic. And like Kim was like relying on like that deeply entrenched narrative of misogyny in Western society, like um, by calling on, by calling her a snake mm. specifically. And like it, it mm. worked. Well, I don't know. I want to talk about the fall from grace. Thing. It's like, this is this is also a little bit of a tangent, but it seems like every time there's a fall from grace album, it's like, <laughs> and now we're going to interact with with black music and have like rappers and and mm. rap trap mm. beats and all that. It's like it always is that narrative, and it's like, do you think that's what's going on here? Like I just Wait, what other albums are like that? I I I, I want to know. Like that's so. Think about like Miley Cyrus's bangers, and then like immediately following up with like, and now I'm wholesome and back to my roots. Um, you know, mm. Christina Aguilera sort of did the same thing on Strip, which is like a very um, 
kind of a blueprint for a lot of people, even on Art Pop. Um, you know, Lady Gaga was like, I, this is my faltering phrase, and now I'm going to have R. Kelly and T.I., and, like, I'm going to have a trap rap song. And I, I don't know. It's like, I don't even know that, like, Future and Taylor Swift have ever listened to one of another's songs, you know? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just, like... Gosh, I know you're playing a character, but this is one of the times where I'm like, I feel like it's when I strip back I all the like. layers of irony, there's still just like issues to be yeah. to be addressed with. And this is also before, you know, she even started trying to be more of an activist and calling out the conservative party and trying to use her platform and everything. I'm like, I don't know. This is just like questionably conservative white country girl takes upon uh rap music and black artists to make her dark controversial album and it's like we've seen this narrative and it does it's not even like at the end of the day it's not even making a song that i find enjoyable to listen to i also feel like i'm very confused as to why there are two guest artists on this track because it's like if the song is about being someone's end game then why are there two <laughs> guest artists? Well, you know maybe, what I mean? Shouldn't there just a, be one guest artist? Maybe they're and supporting like, polyamory. Maybe they're saying like, hey, I don't think so. How are there three, three people on this song and so little content? How many times right. can we hear big reputation? Big. How many times do you have to hear that? There's three people I, on the song. <laughs> I wondered if maybe it's like the, the only possible credit I could give is like, you know, maybe this is playing into the idea of the like long list of ex lovers, et cetera, et cetera. And now that she's going into every relationship with the, the <laughs> idea of like, I want to be someone's end game, but I, I'm, I'm not really willing to give that to her because no. I don't think that's what's happening. No, um, I think they just wanted a radio hit. I honestly... right. So I, I do think it's like kind of silly that like, I would rather much rather not have Ed Sheeran. It's so bad. On... Yeah. <laughs> Just because I don't know what he's adding. He's not. Not even lyrically. Not even thematically. Yeah. I'm mad about it. Because he doesn't even, like, the themes that are, that he goes into, like, on his verse don't even pertain to the rest of the album. Like, at least Future, like, nodded to Artifice in some way. Like, Ed Sheeran just wrote, a, like, a, a verse about himself, essentially. Right. It's, like, it's a totally different vibe. Because I feel like Taylor and Future both give this, like... The whole idea is that our reputations are what people know, but we're trying to find something more intimate. And then Ed Sheeran's like, we knew each other when we were young. I have a chip on my shoulder. Like, I don't know. What? (laughs) Like, sure, collab with Ed Sheeran, but, like, why on a rap verse? Like, I mean, like, like, sure, he has, like, rhythm because he's a musician. But, like, like, if you're someone who's a fan of Ed Sheeran, like, you're not going to expect or want from him a rap verse like that's not why you're tuning in no, you're not listening no, to I like disagree Ed with that. i feel like maybe don't he has like kind of rap verses that he's doing over like scratchy guitar oh does um, he it's it's in his wheelhouse and i don't know i think mm. maybe like the the galaxy brain reading of the song is that like he's singing about a relationship that was forged um at taylor swift's fourth of july party so maybe she's talking about like because of my reputation and because of the relationship like the people i know not just myself has created love, but like other people I know have found love and been able to create love out of this turmoil. I don't know if that comes through, but I think that's like one generous reading of why he's there. <laughs> I just don't know. I... Great. We hate it. Anybody, any other comments? <laughs> no, I have no more comments. I, yeah. <laughs> well, Thank God she uh, followed this song up with mm. I Did Something Bad because this is a song I personally love. Personal highlight of I the album. It. You yeah, you love it. 
I think the the opening is very compelling. Yeah. Uh, with a, a nice a nice pits string. And she sings um, about strings, which she immediately references. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you if you um, listen very uh, closely to the strings, you can hear that like scratch in it. So it, you yeah. hear that it's a sample that's like stuck on repeat. It's very glitchy, oh which, God. like, I mean, the whole production is glitchy. And, and I and was thinking about that. I kept being like, are my headphones kind of plugged in weird or something? <laughs> <laughs> she makes but a question. No. <laughs> my production, though, is there's this moment before the chorus where you just have this, like, deep, dark bass, and you feel like you're falling down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. into evil. And um, it the sound literally gets wider. It goes from, like, more of a mono center sound to, like, stereo. It, like, spreads out in your headphones. And so it's just, like, is this all-consuming darkness? Oh, cool. Wow. I just feel like someone needs to, and by someone I mean I'm going to say, yes. why is there the what does the fox say kind of vocal percussion line? That, I, that's my only complaint about this song. The shots so fired like, part? No, this yeah. whatever random Like, she's, that's, like, the gun. Okay, but she also has a gun sound effect. I don't think we needed the... I don't know. Well, like, like in Endgame, she says, I hit you like bang, and this is, like, paying off the shots fired. She literally has the gunshots all over the place in this song. It's not for me. Anyways. I think the ratatata is is kind of fun, and a, uh, it's another moment where her voice is being manipulated now to be even, like, more uh, demonic and, and deeper mm. and, and gravelly. Are we um, talking which, the, about the part where she goes, like, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after that, goes, And it goes, like, goes all the way down into the bass. Yeah, that's cool. I like the... um. I don't know. I think the chorus is, is very satisfying to me. There's like good yeah. um, text painting, which uh, is essentially where what is being sung matches the way that it's, it's written. So like on the words, you know, they say it did something bad. The melody literally goes down on that bad. And then why does it feel so good? So good is literally going up. They're juxtaposed like that. Cool. I just think it's a very evocative song. And it's like at this point, you kind of just have to know the context. You get very invested. So it's like it. You know, if like if the average person on the street is just like hearing the song, it's like, yeah, I, I kind of I want to know like what the heck she's talking about. She's kind of making her narrative uh, like inseparable from the music that she's writing. Yeah, she's mythologizing oh. herself. Oh, smart Taylor, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I okay, I'll go in if if you sure, want. Sure, go 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 go. Okay, go. all right. So the idea of the like drama loving her and like the narcissist loving her, like that she's introduced in the past couple songs, is like a really like recurring point of ultimate frustration hidden behind like the artifice of narration and like her as this someone who's orchestrating the game or calling for the games to begin. Like she sings like, I never trust a narcissist, but they love me. Like she's presenting the story as if she has the power, like by going on to tell us like how she plays them. Similar like in Endgame with like the drama loving her line, that's like produced very tongue in cheek in that song as if it doesn't affect her. But then there's like at the same time that, like but they love me or or it loves me line is like sonically singled out um in the production and mm. that like automatically gives it more power than like taylor lets on in her delivery and then like it's like it's thematic recurrence in this song i did something bad like hints at like how like the amount of true ire like it really inspires in taylor like she's sick of people mm. like of the people her notoriety attracts i guess and how like they ultimately play her. And so, yeah, enchanting, let, let the games begin. And like her acting like she's the one orchestrating this game. She's like posturing over her own hurt because she is, in fact, like already noted that she is the hunted like Fox in like uh, Ooh, 1989, yeah. you know, simultaneously, though, she pokes holes in that narrative because she like wants us to see it's fake, I think. 
And like everything I thought is real is constructed by people who don't want me to succeed. Like, get me out of here. Oh, my you God. You know, it's like if if nothing else, your point is um, making me see that there's like there's actually one reason for Endgame to be on this album. And it's so we get this like set up and pay off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in the line, um, this is how the world works. Um, that's like a recurring theme in Taylor's previous discography, like trying to distill the world's complications into a simple framework to abide by. Like, Ooh, like how you get the girl. Yeah, like, yeah. And like in Love Story, You Belong With Me or Welcome to New York. And eventually, like, she always finds out that that simple framework doesn't work. And I think here in such like a sonically dark song, she's further challenging her own habit of doing this. And like possibly like lamenting like this is how the world she lives in works, despite it's not being how the entire world works. Although I might be giving her credit there where it's not due. I don't know. Mm. But I mean, mm -hmm. like, it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's especially evident, like her awareness of it when she yeah. says like, this is how the world works. You got to leave before you get left. That is so fatalistic and reactive. And so like, like objectively not true to me at least, but maybe like she feels like Oh, it's like not that's supposed like... to be true. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I... it's set up, like since it's at the beginning of the album, it's like we know that she has to eventually unlearn these things and this is just like a bad coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I, I like, yeah, I don't think like Taylor necessarily believes it either. It's just like that in this brutal, solitary, like tunnel, like you mentioned rabbit hole earlier, like tunnel of a world, like Taylor feels like she's been propelled into like rudimentary survival skills where you just gotta like leave if someone's a dead weight. I have one more thing um, to say, and it's the you'll you'll remember this in because uh, you saw the concert, Daniel. If a man talks shit, then I owe him nothing. This is like such a memorable part of the tour because like she stops after this line and lets like the audience just cheer as the line yeah. echoes a bit, and it's yeah. so like powerful to see her relish this conclusion. But at the same time, it makes me like a little sad that she relishes it so much because like that emphasis suggests that it's like a deep truth slash like revelation she had to make that maybe took her a while to get to, like to realize that she doesn't owe anyone not treating her decently like anything. And like that's kind of like a testament to the mm. fervor of the backlash she received. Like it was making her question whether she was in the right at all, despite like she experiencing her own side of the story and knowing her side of the story, like perhaps like like during her exile, like she like questioned like whether she owed apologies to people like her fans or like to I don't know like Kanye or like I, yeah people and like came to the conclusion that the people like the media was telling her she had wronged she actually didn't owe anything to and like her questioning like why does this feel so good if you're telling me I did something bad is like such a wonderful question to focus I think at the center of the song because she's like I'm like calling out misogyny in the industry and you're telling me like it's bad but it felt good though like, am I being gaslighted? I don't know. Like, by, like, the entire world. All, in, a, in a way, it must have felt like that. It's, like, crazy. Yeah. Um, I have I have one thing, to one bad thing to say about this song, and that's the part where she goes, light me up, with, like, this, like, clapping production behind it. I just don't yeah. like it. <laughs> it makes <laughs> it makes me think of, like, the olden, like, 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 2011 or something that kind of production it, like i don't know it, it wasn't my favorite thing the let me up 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 like that part yeah i do like the tour version a lot better where they kind of intensify the drama yeah but I, I i like that it's like at least even in the album version it's getting like bigger and bigger and more reverby and you like don't even know where it's gonna go and then it kind of for a moment the song stops and like the, the reverb gets like sucked into a hole before you do get that like eventual explosion cool. I don't know. It's like building, building. And then it's like, oh, what's going to happen? Where do we go? Where, the song just like kind of let me fall for a moment. <laughs> I accept um, your defense. <laughs> I'm going to tie that bridge back to another song later on. But um, it is, again, playing with that whole like 
fire theme and and, and here she's just alone in, in the fire and she's just like letting herself burn along with all the other witches who've been blamed um mm-hmm. my final note on the song is just like this is where i started to know like wow she's really um like weaponizing her her voice and her vocal attack on this album it's like it's a really well delivered um performance um and i think things like the most fun i ever had ad lib towards the end like it's so fun and playful and she's like really reveling in 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 these lyrics but for the most part like this is a shouty belty album and like the only times when she's like letting herself be more quiet and whispery and like in the middle like in more comfortable parts of her range is like when she's being more honest i think there's a lot of attention paid to that that's so Um, cool i feel like i thought a lot about like just like celebrity in this song i think that like while it does speak to a general sense of like where she's at with relationships, I think it also is sort of like the unique position that that like celebrities are in in terms of like could this person who I maybe just want to have fun with or maybe do want to like end up with like sell whatever story we have to the tabloids like to like make money or to or for whatever mm-hmm. reason in a day and you know what i mean it i think i think at the same time it's like the only the only thing i can control about you um betraying me is that i ended it first and like you know you're you you're gonna go do this no matter what so if i can tell that you're gonna do it then like i'm gonna get rid of you and then at least I know that that's true, which I think is, you know, obviously very devastating as well. Well, I think she's also talking about media in general. Like, if a man talks shit, then right. I owe him nothing. Like, it's, this is the album where she starts just doing zero promotion, zero interviews, anything. So she's, like, saying, like, media mm. at large has treated me like totally, shit. Totally. And so I owe the world nothing. I owe the tabloids nothing. The fans will get the music, and that's it. Um, totally. Should we then go on to Don't Play yeah. Me? Absolutely. I have come to like really appreciate this song a lot more than I did in the past. Yeah. It definitely continues um, the narrative of, of I did something bad. She's like, oopsie, love made me a little bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she get like, I don't know, adds to that narrative flow. Um, me personally, I'm a little tired of the whole like love, like your love is my drug um, metaphor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I get yeah. that. It's like she gives her Taylorism where she like inverts it where it's like, my drug is my baby. She kind of like switches some of the words, switches oh, some of the words around, but it's like we've heard this. We know this. <laughs> yeah. What this feeling is. Well, I think I think this is an interesting song. I I'm something that I was thinking about is like this desperation to be like lost in something <gasps> because I I think yes. that she's so caught up in um, being in control of her brand and like being in control of like her reputation that what she like wants is. I mean, she. I'm looking at the line like, "My name is whatever you decide." I've done the exact um, same thing. Yep. <laughs> it's like you know, it can sort of be read as like, "I just need the safety of someone like I trust telling me what to do." Yeah, like you know, she wants she wants to be dominated, <laughs> but like you know, she she's wants like running the from safe her own identity, word. though. Yeah. Yeah. So she she just wants to like not be having to be constantly vigilant in the way that she is in. Um, I did something bad you know she doesn't want to have to like constantly be thinking about like when to cut the relationship off the song also gave me a very big take me to church vibes absolutely the sound and like the the, the themes that they're playing on are, they're right. both very similar I absolutely agree with you and we've, we've talked about in the past how Taylor has this like um, 
interesting connection to religion and, and, and devotional love. Right. Um, Drew, what, what have you come to love about this, this song? Um, I think Lord save me. My drug is my baby. I'll be using for the rest of my life is such an interesting line because to me, at least she's asking God to save her from her addiction. But then in the second half of that sentence, like straight up says, never mind what you say though, God, I'm going to be using my baby for the rest of my life. Like it's very contradictory. It doesn't like, make me think that she has a lot of faith in God and rather like worships the things she can actually perceive like love and like probably like music and poetry. And then it makes, it begs the question, like who is God to her? Um, and like the contradictory nature of this line kind of like dissembles the integrity of the narrative she's portraying in this song of like a crazy, cause she says crazy at one point, like an addicted person. Cause she's like, saying herself here that she would rather be with this damned person for the rest of her life over being saved by God, or at least that's how I interpreted it. So like, again, like maybe this like garbage fire person, the world is telling her she is like, she's simultaneously like delighting in becoming that and like finding that like, it's actually not that bad to be cast out of heaven. Like she says, I get so high every time you're loving me at like surface level. Sure. It's about drugs, like being like her, her baby. But like on another level, it's like Taylor saying like, the things that she's being told are bad for her actually like what are, are what are going to like lift her out of this like hell she implies whoever God is like cast her down into like in the line I would fall from grace just to touch your face like which brings back like the idea of who is God to Taylor like I think the argument could be made that like God is like the people who are like subjecting Taylor to all the games that she's had to play, like who like effectively like made the world she has to now inhabit. So like the media or like people like Scooter Braun, like the industry heads. There's this idea like present in the song of her choosing um, and finding out that like maybe earth isn't that bad. I think the music is supporting what you're saying because you know, in this chorus where you have the don't blame me, love may be crazy. If it doesn't, you ain't doing it right. You have this like deep descending bass line that's like going down step by step. And then when she gets to the next half of her thought, the oh Lord save me, my drug is my baby. Like the, the bass line actually starts rising up and it does feel like she's being pulled out of like the depth and she is being um, saved and redeemed a little bit. So I think the music is telling the same story that you're telling. Yay. <laughs> last thing um the line the darkest little paradise i feel like it is like a wink and a nod to paradise lost like milton's like epic mm. poem about adam and eve like that myth like so she's bringing that like back again because in the poem paradise is um the garden of eden but she's saying that like th she's calling the darkest little paradise earth so she's like kind of finding eden, eden on earth maybe <laughs> i i kind of see that i was uh, going to talk about just the line um I once was poison ivy, but now I'm your daisy. And I love how that line is set where the the line about the daisy like literally is rising out of this deep sludge of a melody and a production. It's like this one one beacon of light in all the in the darkness. And I also like I had a literary connection. Hello. Um <laughs> later on in this album, she sings about like Great Gatsby. Does anybody think this was like connecting to the daisy of Great Gatsby? Mm. Um another like tragic lover. Mm. Um <laughs> but Gatsby is definitely on her radar, like especially also in her later yeah. works too. So, I mean, like Poison Ivy is also, I mean, I guess comic is like as is, is a <laughs> literary figure of like, it is. like villain and like just like Poison Ivy is a plant, like you know, poisons what it touches. So like, I right. I guess there's like several layers of metaphor if you're if you're tying all those references with the I once was Poison Ivy, but now I'm your Daisy. Yeah, it's so good. Mm. I am just a little confused about the timeline of this song in the album 
when she talks about like I would fall from grace I just think it's very interesting because I feel like the whole idea that she's setting up from the beginning is like it's already happened I've fallen off of whatever pedestal I've been on so I think that's interesting that she kind of uses that the imagery now of like no no no, no. you know I, I know what you're saying but I feel like up until now it's been more like the media is saying that I have fallen from grace and now I will actually do it for you Oh, hot. I guess, yeah. I don't know. I, I also... Like I'm and, willing to whis- risk that. Maybe this is my thing, too. I feel like this song, for me, just fell into the series of songs of this <laughs> love is bad and I know it, but I'm going to pursue it anyway. Right. I just feel like we keep getting this lesson over and over again, though. Kind of. I just, I just feel like I've, like, heard this idea before. But I think I think she has proven that she's grown from that idea in a genuine sense. But I don't think that Don't Blame Me falls within like a, this is like me, Taylor Swift, like talking about what I believe in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think there's a specific song where she discards the character on this album mm-hmm. and then like moves forward from there. And I think the like production of this song like is so severe. It like it it still puts me like at least sonically in in her care in the character that she's she's i guess accepted to play at least for a little bit right now um but i also was confused by that line like i would fall from grace taylor you already have (laughs) it's like wait i thought we discussed this but i understand your point daniel about a personal fall from grace and a fall imposed by other other views anyway delicate delicate i would like to say and Maybe I shouldn't have done this, maybe, but I did. I watched music videos whenever I could for this song, just because I wanted to get, I don't know, as much as much narrative ideas as possible. And I just have to say, this number is very joyful. And I appreciate that the reputation is not the, um, the, the main focus of the song. It's not the main focus of the narrative. It's something that is informing how she's going about this new relationship. Mm. Um, and I really enjoy... Like the the asking, like, is it cool? Like, I I don't know. I just felt like that was a really relatable way that she put in this. Like, uh, we don't really know each other, and so this is like I don't know, tenuous. Can't say too much or say anything too quickly, but like, this is how I feel. Um, and I really appreciated that. I thought it was a very fun number. I agree. I mean, this is the first time she starts to change what she means when she says reputation, and earlier yeah. she's like, yeah, honestly, I don't really care what you say about me, but now she's like, oh. Actually, this still could like what, what people are <laughs> saying about me is going to affect how like what how my life turns out that my my potential lovers who who I can get along with and it's also right. you know kind of helping her weed out who her real supporters are so she's like you know maybe I'm gonna walk that back a little bit and say I I actually do care a little bit and it's the first mm-hmm. song where I, I hear her get a little bit anxious maybe even a little bit neurotic and I think you're I think you're identifying that and even in this chorus where she has like all these isn't it's like she's just questioning herself and it's echoing around in her head and it's like you know i take it back and now i'm not sure of myself whatsoever (laughs) it's where the cracks start to like show through (laughs) also i just like to imagine for myself after watching the music video that when news of the cats movie came out taylor was like send them this send them this i'm a shoe in for bomb ballerina (laughs) (laughs) you just can't get more right than that you're so accurate (laughs) So that's uh, 
That's my lasting impression. Oh, I love that. It's like clearly she learned not to care about her reputation because she did that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. I, oh. I have a feeling that, that Daniel's going to comment on the vocoder, so I won't do that. No, but, go, go on. Go okay, on. I said, um, you know, the vocoder, she's hiding behind distortion. It, like, works really well in the narrative because Taylor's, like, hiding out in a world that, like, keeps distorting her voice and using it against her. So it's yeah. cool to start the song that way. Um, I want to yep. note that um, in the verses, it goes from an underground, like, dive bar on, in the first verse to the third floor on the west side, um, which echoes of your footsteps on the stairs in the second verse. So she's physically ascending in her descriptions. <gasps> And I link, yeah, and I link this back to like, um, it's like, like parasite. Yeah, like yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, like parasite. But it's also like I link this back to like her cho- choosing like love slash like lovers like over who she perceives as God, at which she introduced in the last um, song, mm. and like hence like the choice of like so called like vice and hence insurrection over like what was told to her was being obedient and being holy. Like this good girl rep she like had before this album, she's discovering like the damned side of life is actually like only damned uh, because the good life labeled it as such. Um, Mm. And I think that she's like further like, you know, uh, uh, fleshing that idea out in this song. I also liked uh, Emily um, when like the, is it cool? I said all that. Is it chill that you're in my head? Like all these, these questions, like they, um, they lend themselves to like another theme in the album being like to question like the artifice she's been set up to believe and like trusted to uphold in her early career with like the wholesome good girl brand. And like just the whole theme of questioning is so apparent in this album and like, and builds on our question. Why does it feel so good? And I did something bad also. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I also wanted to note that there's a descending harmony line on sometimes when I look into your eyes um, like yeah, alluding yeah. to falling, which is like kind of some like text painting. Is that what it's called? Text painting, I guess. Sure. Um, and it, like, it, you know, it kind of helps the message further, like that the gutter is actually heaven and like that. And then there's like a cool ethereal synth string part in the final verse that also kind of like brings that home. Also, I, Wait, you're saying the gutter is heaven. You're saying the, the dive bar. Like, like, no, like not specifically like, like just like that being cast, like the place that she like being cast to earth like off the pedestal mm. is actually like being where she is now is better than she, where she was i guess like yeah. yeah not like specifically within this song like in the dive bar but like um just like like she's actually physically ascending and um like the ascending like but not going back to like the heaven that she but like she's casting the other heaven that she like was believed and like fed as like yeah. Fed, fed as like what is heaven like and she's saying then that's that's not actually what what it, what heaven is um i i, I wasn't happy found... and this was actually really problematic yeah exactly yeah exactly and i think she's she's playing a lot with ascension and falling in this album and i like you mentioned that she like her obsession with roads and cars in 1989 and here i think she's graduated to planes <laughs> in this album you know you may have a point you you do have a point I just like in the song that, you know, she is starting to feel more genuine and she's like not shouting at us for once. It's like very mid range, mm-hmm. a very easy vocal delivery. And I think that speaks to the fact that she's like trying to be more conversational and forward with her audience and the love interest in the song. Yeah. Um, I also noticed in the in the music video, she's the bar she's going into isn't the, the golden goose, which extends the whole color imagery. <gasps> mm. There she goes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I liked this song a lot. I feel like um, 
production wise, I really like the the sort of strong echo effects that they're using on um, the chorus, like on delicate, and then into in isn't it? I think it's like um, it really uh, they lined it up very well so that this this echoing of delicate like mm-hmm. very very um seamlessly shifts into like the next actual spoken word which i think you know just adds to this this idea of like these lacy edges of of the word like you know she's she's creeping out of her um not even comfort zone but just like you know testing the waters um that's a great point and to me all that like reverb and like speciness of the song makes her feel like very small and kind of dwarfed by a very grand production yeah just um we've talked about like her performing vulnerability before and this is kind of a new way of of, of getting that same type of feeling but yeah go on go on i like that what you're saying yeah well the only other thing i had is that um to me in the end it sounded like um there's like an octave harmony um Mm. and some sometimes i feel like sometimes they do choose to do like a another take but it sounded to me like this is like a pitch shifted octave of her original i think so yeah and I really liked that because I think it adds um, like a delicacy that that she might not be able to achieve otherwise or um, whatever for whatever reason they decided to do this. I think it it gives the sound like a slightly thinner and um, more yeah delicate sure. <laughs> um, and I I think it also like the sound of that pitch shift really connects back into the vocoder like intro sonically um which i really i really appreciated yeah i mean if we're talking contrasting the way her voice is being manipulated it starts off like very low and and is literally ascending up to this like extra higher yeah totally which is playing Um, with you centro hello yes (laughs) i i i wanted to i also want i just when rafe was talking about like the production and like the laziness of it i it for some reason reminded me of like this elemental presence I think at play in this song with with at least the music video with with the rain that's super like that just drenches her oh, in this yeah. and it kind of like in it it hints at where the album is going because it stands in such a stark ju- juxtaposition to like the fire imagery that's happening in the beginning with like like light me up which like Daniel you mentioned like fire being like and being burned as mm. being one of like the themes in this album and I think. I think there's an interplay between water and fire happening um, to like expand on that. Absolutely. Theme. Yeah. And in fact, they, they, I think they all, um, they'll come together in, in a song later in the yes, album. Yes, they will. <laughs> so we'll, we'll save that point. Um, should we get into? I think that's good for me. The big one. Let's, let's check it out. So I don't know. Delicate is kind of very, mm, peculiarly placed between these very bombastic tracks and we have probably the most uh um character driven song of the whole album the the lead single look what you made me do which really no one is a stranger to at at this point but um how do we think it fits into the album drew is drew is champing at the video and go ahead i am i said that like delicate is her finding her motive to kill her character Oh, like it's her checking back in with herself and going, oh, no, I, I don't I'm not comfortable with this. How about and then the next song is like comes back strong with the character and is like she she's going to die. I'm going to kill her off. But um, 
the lines, I don't like your little games, the role you made me play, the fool. Like, she's back to the games, but now she's admitting she's a player in the game instead of the orchestrator. Um, and, like, the artifice is, like, physically slipping off, and she's, like, revealing the purest rage and savagery and, like, admission that she's, like, she's, like, a bad bitch, and she knows it, but, like, she's also really mad at, like, what what they did to her. I said, uh, what, why? <laughs> no, to me, I don't know if this is really sad. To me, like, I did something bad. I started being, like, genuinely upset and, like, being vengeful at this point. Like, I, I, I see the song as being camp and that she is, like, not really necessarily feeling all these things at this point. Oh, interesting. Ma- um, yeah, maybe she's, like, separated from like she's yeah she's come to know it already so like now she's playing it up more before like just for the crowd just before she kills off her character i like this yeah i like where this is going daniel <laughs> with what you're saying i mean i know like i mean jack antonoff the the producer himself when it came out he says like he said that he didn't think enough people appreciated the camp in the song but i just i don't think it's meant to be taken seriously i don't think like like if we're talking about like okay it's like hmm this album is literally like it's telling a story in order. It's almost like back up. I did something bad. Like the actual anger happens. The thing that happens, like, you know, whatever the incident is that makes her angry actually happens. And then like we get delicate and she starts to fall in love. And then like, by the time we get to look what you made me do, it's like, she has to react to it in the public atmosphere, but she like her, her vitriol is already like starting to be dealt with. And she's just like kind of laughing at herself. It's so funny. I feel like I read I read them as like the opposite way. Like I I wrote like this feels like the inciting incident to I did something bad um to me, but I I I totally hear what you're saying and I I think it it makes a little bit more sense or it makes sense in that way. I like the the um kind of camp um elements of like this is the performance of what happened back then and here here it is yeah. for you on the stage i mean it's like the whole like I, the old taylor's dead thing it's like there's no way you <laughs> could say that in like true like oh this is gonna get him i'm so angry like oh sure, sure. oh absolutely like there's, like, like, there's no way you're not in on the joke <laughs> i should have like like played in or understood maybe more of the camp of this because i did write in my notes if tim burton just directed a fast and furious movie this song would be featured in the trailer and like, oh yeah, so campy. <laughs> and I should have like, The that. chorus is a sample of "I'm Too Sexy." It's like you're not gonna do that and say this is a seriously angry <laughs> song. <laughs> I also wrote that um, uh, the production behind you asked me for a place to sleep sounds like a sound effect from Spy Kids three. And I, <laughs> it's very I video did, I did like that. It's very yeah. artificial reality, and I fully expected Elijah Wood to show up and be her backing vocals. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of genuine anger in terms of camp and performativity of anger i feel like there's ambiguity perhaps when you're in the verse you're like oh is this because i do think that a lot of the yes. album does play with the ambiguity of gen of genuine anger and, and reactions and i think that's very interesting so i feel like in the verse you could have like oh is this is she actually responding to this like it's it i feel like it could be taken either way and then i feel like the chorus is where you really see this performance of like oh well now look what you made me do oh no i've ruined it and it's because i'm mad you know and i just think that i don't know i i feel like this is like also like the height of her um perhaps by having all of her characters of past Taylors in the music video the height of her character work in a way Mm. and so i do feel like there are a lot of different 
personas at play, this song, I feel like, could function without certain elements as a as a genuine portrayal of of a response from Taylor, which I think is another function that's very smart that it has I don't know. I, I think it has a lot of purposes and, and functions that could be taken away from strong. I don't think anything I said was very clear. No, no, I, I hear what you say and um <laughs> I I mean we're not to say that there's no emotion behind like a camp response. I mean you could have like a more campy joking response and still be like, but there is actually some hurt behind this. I also think you're getting a I mean, there was a different chorus to this originally, if I recall correctly. And I think really what might have happened is that she, like, wrote the verse and this original chorus in, like, True Rage and then, like, came back to it and was like, actually, you know what? I actually don't care that much after all. Uh, we're gonna right. make this, we're gonna turn this into a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, definitely, I totally agree. Just, just like the camp does not invalidate an emotional response behind it, but in terms of the way in which, I, I feel like this is such a song about presentation because of the incorporation of all of her past selves and because she has so many kind of generations of herself like tracked and represented in this number of her career so far. Um, I just think it's very interesting to kind of see this interplay between the ball and how she can kind of vary in her tone and in her reaction to yeah. everything. Mm. Is it a good song though? <laughs> I, <laughs> I like this the song. like pre-chorus part. Um, I do too. No, Rafe, I love that too because it's, it's like so she's getting fun. more and more emotional. It gets like starting to work Make its way up, and then she pulls time. it back into the like steely refrain where she just is like repeating herself incessantly. And incessantly. <laughs> well, I, I I also like that the refrain is not just like look what you made me do, look what you made me do, look what you made me do over and over. I like that it like starts to emphasize different words. It's like. Look what you just yeah. made me do. Look what you just made me do. So she's like placing different mm-hmm. emphasis on different parts of the phrase by like inserting that extra just. I kind of like that the chorus is just consisting of the words, look what you made me do, because I feel like it's like no matter what Taylor does that you don't like, it puts kind of the blame on the person critiquing her. True. It feels to me very like um, this is like the cathartic moment for her of like reveling in the the media or the person is like under her foot and she's grinding them into the earth. You know what I mean? It's like, oh. look what she made. It's like very, it's very visceral. Like, it's a rejection. You of- made me do look at what you made. You know, it's like she's, she's yeah, kind the of whole, like, like the whole like the world moves on part like is like a very demonic playground. Chant. Yeah, uh, it's like very detuned. I think that like goes into the whole like. She's playing this demon grinding you into the ground character. Mm, yeah, I think that's the squelch, you know. The squelch, it's, exactly. It's the boom crunch. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Look what you made me do is Taylor's last midnight. <laughs> yeah, totally. No. <laughs> In fact, it literally is. <laughs> Galaxy Bro, brain. watch out. <laughs> I like what you're saying about rejection, like rejecting and grinding these people down on the ground because it like fits with my narrative <laughs> of that. Okay, like, work. it's like, look, first you made me question myself and like everything around me. And now I like now I know I was right the whole time not to trust you. And like, I'm going to mm-hmm. saw a wing off a private jet. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah. The like, jet. Yeah. It's like you guys <laughs> like 
yeah, you like we were you were you were talking about like in 1989, like her interest in roads and cars, and like here she's graduated the plains, and like she, I think she just wants to ascend in this album while also decentralizing like the old definitions of what heaven is and who God is in like the popular is this a visual like, thing, a, like a canon, I guess, of yeah. life. What like, did you say, Rafe? Yeah. Why oh, don't is the sawing the the is that a visual reference? Oh yeah, in, yeah. in the video. In the okay, video, in the video. Okay, saws, sorry. I just I just wanted to make sure. Okay, sorry. I guess I should watch the music video. We did tell you that last week, didn't we? Yeah. Indeed, I watched the music video. Just it, to it's say. very visceral. To look at that. I was just gonna say I also uh, happened to listen or watch the music video again at like two a.m. and I was scared. I said, <laughs> "Oh no, I made a mistake. This is scary." <laughs> It starts with a zombie. It is scary. <laughs> it is scary. It's like, that's a scary, that's a scary looking zombie. And she's like pushing the grave and it's tilted. It's, it's frightening uh, imagery. Honestly. It's a scary, it sounds like a horror movie. I mean, the bridge, it has these like, ha ha's in the background that are like, the world is laughing at her. <laughs> it's like, it's, there's so much about this song that is just scary, but it's like calculated scary, which is what makes me think it's camp. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I well what I was gonna say, like I like wasn't sold on the song the first time I listened to it back in two thousand seventeen until I got to the bridge. I really like um when they reincorporate the introduction um into the bridge. It gave me like chills. Mm. And like I also love her singing I'll be the actress starring in your bad dreams because like first of all, I do want that from Taylor. Like please make an appearance in my dreams and even my bad ones. <sighs> um but also like um, she says, like, I'll be the actress rather than saying, like, I myself will be in your bad dreams. So she's distancing right, her actual fairly. true self from the person mm. wreaking havoc on your unconscious psyche. And, like, saying that the person starring your bad dreams is not her, but it's a role, like, that you, her hand was forced to play. Like, anyway. And, like, that. She didn't write the script. She's just acting it out at this point. Um, right. I also, I said another thing was. Oh, I'm sorry the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because she's dead. So, like, I, which is, which is, I love that. That's, like, a little culmination of, like, I feel like that is, like, the end of the first half of the album, in a way. Because, like, yeah. it, 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 it begs the question, what's her next incarnation going to look like? Because we're only halfway through the album. So, like, there's this idea of, like, constant <laughs> reinvention that is going on, um, which she, like, has mentioned. Like, she's had to do, like, her entire career. But, like, also, like, just playing on this cycle this continuum which i think like the next song like continues with thematically yeah should we should we continue thematically into act two i think we have to we must so going on to the song <laughs> with the other song with ellipses we emerge from emerge from the dark and the depths after look what you maybe do into so it goes um yeah so it goes exactly <laughs> I just really like how she's like, who's counting? Who's counting? Who's counting? Oh, well, yeah. No, <laughs> like, we we can all appreciate that moment. I don't know. I was like, that was good. <laughs> it's cute. That's a good moment. I feel like... I, I had to say something nice You have first, to say something. You know? And you know what? That's I've, I noted that moment as well. I've, I feel like we were talking about this earlier in terms of like the spacey atmosphere of delicate being something so nice about it and and I I I really don't like it in this song. I feel like there's a similar like spacey like washed out atmosphere. It feels submerged, um, like literally like ship yeah. pieces groaning underwater. Like that's what the sound of it gives me. To me, it it's sounds like not, she yeah. is in a womb. 
Oh, oh more. <laughs> We're all like, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, we both have like underwater type imagery. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is a rebirth, so that makes sense. You pulled me in with the womb imagery. <laughs> I, I can say I was predisposed to hate this song upon first listening to it because there's this, um, I just don't like... Um, I don't like any song, um, or I've been burned badly in the past by um, songs with magician um, like metaphors in it. Because <laughs> there's this awful One Direction song called "Illusion" on their for, on on the their album four, and it starts, "Tell me you believe in love." It's not an illusion, illusion, and I, I can't with that song. And so when That's I heard, funny. when she mentioned mentions like sure. all eyes I'm on like you, my magician, or something like that in this song, I was no, like, no, oh no, no, oh no. Wait a second. No, I actually have to talk about the magician for a second because I find it, it very disturbing. Oh. I, I <laughs> okay. So am I following the thread correctly? That she like where she sings in the chorus, all the pieces fall back into place. Is she talking about the pieces of her body in a magic act? That, no, because like she says, like you're an illusionist, cut me into pieces, and then she says all the pieces fall oh, into place. No. But it's like, are they sliding the box back together? Is, are they like reconnecting the arm and the torso to the head? No. That's Why what you I make get. me think about that. <laughs> that's that's how the metaphor is set up. It's like. Clank, the box goes back together, and in fact, the percussion in the chorus sounds like metal pieces like falling into place. I'm now forced to agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) I guess another tick against this. I mean, the whole thing is about like magic acts, right? Like she's in a gold cage. Like this is all about like different Mm. illusions and magic acts for whatever reason. I I was okay with like the first metaphor about magic, where it's like you make all the other people in the room disappear, and then from then that point on. (laughs) <laughs> no thanks. I, okay. like, she's literally like covering her bases with every kind of artifice that she can, like metaphor artifice that she can totally. think in this and album. You know what? That's an interesting. Like point. she's like she was like you know like like she's an actor in a play. She's like the magician. Like it, there's there's more. Um, but I I do she's I want to cruise ship. I, yeah, like <laughs> I w- I want to come back to the ellipses. <laughs> Okay, the I, tell me about the ellipses. I think that this song title is referencing Slaughterhouse-Five. <laughs> You're going to have to elaborate and also okay. explain Slaughterhouse-Five. In the book, yeah. Slaughterhouse-Five. Pretend like, five. for you know, whatever reason, I have no idea what that book is about. In, in the book, Slaughterhouse-Five, the narrator becomes unstuck in time and realizes that the notion of time as a continuum and hence the human condition, which is predicated on the notion of time being linear, mm-hmm. is just like so inherently unstable. And every time something terrible happens in the book, like like he goes back to World War II at one point and people die, the narrator refrains to the comment, so it goes, and it's like saturates every single page. So I feel like Taylor is like retreated literally into like the womb or like retreated back to be rebirthed again and is in this mindset of like nothing mattering and like time not being something that applies to her. And like she's finding that like that maybe like like retreating is like doesn't need to have like a negative connotation to it. Like it's actually like a living space to occupy mentally. I want to add to this. I, I love this. I love this interpretation. And I think something in the music that adds to this unmoored, untimed, like feeling. Uh, I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but the song never hits the tonic chord. It's always on this like, like cycle of chords that are not like the one chord of the key. I'm so delighted mm-hmm. when you And so this. you're very unmoored and just like floating around in the center of this like key that she's chosen, but you're never actually told 
via the harmonies what key we're in and we never get to home base we're just always nebulously floating around i love that which is perhaps for me why i find a bit plotting and like never really settles down but like metaphorically how intriguing (laughs) (laughs) right right like in a purely theoretical sense wow yeah yeah, like i just like there's lots of thought that goes in this song does it necessarily like like make it a song that I like don't skip on the album. No. Okay, You're, that's it. It's like a very cerebral song, but it is yeah. not a song that is like good to listen right. to. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I've been back to written. It's a skip for me. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> Let's go to my big skip of the album. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 do. Very fair. I have nothing to say except this song is grating in every sense. I think the <gasps> instrumental is annoying. Her voice doesn't sound good. It's she's like negging us, and I think the right. the rhymes are are very baseline, and the rhythms are also very baseline. But imagine this though. She was in the womb <laughs> in the last this. song, and now she's a <laughs> toddler. Uh, now she's being Excuse born. me? She did, there's it's a like, baby do I like listening to the song or not? No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's there's something to be said for the sentiment in the abstract sense. I feel like it's it's a little relatable in, like, a very abstract. But also, like, uh, not to make it about... Um, a book club which the listeners did not <laughs> get to partake in but i think that in a similar way to a romance novel this this operates on this like very surface level like um you know i i'm so desperate for this person to not exist unless maybe on the off chance that you perhaps would be my person and in that case please keep existing exactly as you are yeah um, but other than that i just you know i i agree daniel it's it's not totally it's childish it's It's weird because there's this childish thing going on and it's like interplayed with like really hot sexy subtext Mm. (laughs) like because in drinking right she's like why does it start with a child no 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 no, no. i'm gonna make a different connection (laughs) i don't know i don't i think it's ryan reynolds (laughs) child i don't know why but i think it's ryan reynolds child at the beginning what are you talking about the 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 kid going gorgeous is like yeah. is Ryan Reynolds oh. and Blake Lively's yeah. child. You know the child. I think the words "gorgeous" and the chorus are set well. Like gorgeous. Like I, I think that's. Mm. It's like a fun little hook. It's a yeah. it's a good hook, but it's also like it it sounds gorgeous in and of itself. I'm I'm interested in the line. I feel like I might sink and drown and die. Because <laughs> here, oh, in the womb, right? Yeah. She's no, 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 no. Wait a minute. I'm gonna make an interesting, more perverted kind of observation oh. here. Um, juxtaposed with the child. These girls are so vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a, okay. There's a line in Buffy the Vampire Slayer where Buffy like tells her. <laughs> Go absolutely off. <laughs> you gotta bring the Buffy. This is the crossover that we are not into. Okay. <laughs> there's a line. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where Buffy... <laughs> now I'm laughing. Tell me. But she tells her vampire boyfriend, who she's concerned, is going to, like, like suck her blood and kill her. Mm. Like, that... She, she tells him, um, when I kiss you, I want to die. And here, mm. like, Taylor is looking into her lover's eyes and, like, drowning them in them and wanting to die. And there's, like, so much wet imagery... And throwing mm, in like the word actual in. die makes me think of like le, le petit mort, like aka like oh, the little God. death yeah, orgasm. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's yeah. like, mm. Mm. 
I don't know if I like this. Like, I don't, maybe I'm the only one reading that subtext, but like, I don't like that it's next to this, like, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds' child. Um, I didn't read that. Thank God. I don't think I read that now because every other time she's talking about water, and like, even in other albums, it's like, I don't know. Like, in Clean, she talks about like a flood in terms of like alcoholism and, and, and depression. Right. And I don't think she ever has or ever will again talk about it in terms of orgasming. Really? I don't, I don't, I'm not saying it's a illegitimate reading because, you know, yeah. you can read whatever you wanted to it. I'm just saying I choose not to keep, to keep not reading it that way. I, um, I, I just think, think she's talking about drowning her that. sorrows. For me, when I listen to this song, every time I hear that, like, hotel bell go off, I'm just like, ah, she's ordered another shot for herself to get through this awkward interaction. That's what I'm hearing. And it's like, I hear her, like, drowning her awkwardness and, like, anxiety. I like that better. Mm. And I'm going to pretend my mind didn't go where it went. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Um, hey. we, next song? Getaway, Absolute Car. Getaway, Absolute Getaway Car. I, I really like this song. I think it's a highlight. Same. Oh, I don't know if I like vibe with like the distortion intro. Like I, you know, obviously there are lyrics under there, but like it doesn't feel very necessary to me. The vocoder, you mean? The no, nothing just starts in a getaway car. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. The just like really like. I'm trying to imagine it without it. I wanted like a clean beginning for this one, but I guess maybe that's not the idea. I mean, to me at this point, it's like yeah, we've done the vocoders thing so many times. It's like my ear doesn't pick up on it as like something. Right, very, of, no, very it's just point. like, yep, that's what yeah. this album is doing. Um, yeah, it just sort of like glazes over that, and then to me, we yeah. get into like the program, like, like bass sounds, and I think that to me, that sounds like the movement of the car kind of like, mm. like style. We have the same thing where it sounds like propulsive, totally. and now we have these extra sounds that are almost like sirens in the background, and I think that sets the, the scene very well as, um. Totally. Her lyrics sort of, are, they're very storyteller and it's probably the closest to the sort of narrative she would have told on one of her earlier albums as a, as yeah. a country storyteller. Um, to me, it's very out of the woods part two, especially in the chorus. Um, it's very like Jack Antonoff has this one sort of like bleachers anthemic thing that he does. And like, guess what? He's done it again. I hope you <laughs> like it because you've, you've heard it before and you're going to hear it again. I do like it for the record. Tell me. Tell so, me why, Emily. Yeah, I do oh, like it too. Why. Oh, no. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you called my bluff. <laughs> it's just so pleasing to my ear. I have no other reason, really, besides I just I just love the sound of it. Yeah. He does this thing where it's, you. like, very slow... Like, like the instrumental and the instruments and the harmonic progression in general are pretty slow. And then he has these like very frenetic high hat, like snare type things over it. And so you get like one layer is very slow moving and one is very fast. And they sort of, mm. I don't know, it, it, it makes an yeah, interesting like energy that is very, very unique to his production. Um, totally. I also like that the chorus is the rhyme is based on the middle of the phrase and not like the last word where she says like, you know, we're, we're driving in the getaway car. We're flying, but we never get far. Like that sort of thing. It's like, mm. it's based on that middle word and not the end. I think it's a unique choice. I want to say like, she starts her story, like after the vocoder thing with, um, and to Charles Dickens with, it was the best of times, but then she like plays it with the worst of crimes, which is like, what's what's what does she view as like the worst crime she's ever done now i like want to know it's oh, very yeah, intriguing yeah. bringing me in i thought that was good mm, and then totally. she goes back to this this robber couple reference thing that she hints at and ready for it um they're here they're like they're jet set they're bonnie and clyde and like we're back to the ascension theme and like here are the robbers the traders are the ones ascending and i think like this points back to the theme of taylor aspiring to like not be alone and still be at the top 
Because, like, she made a comment in her documentary, Miss Americana, about, like, after winning the album of the year and thinking, like, okay, I'm here at the top of this mountain, but, like, what next? Like, I'm alone here. I Like, I kind of thought there would be other people up here with me. And, like, her response <laughs> is this album where, like, she plummets to, like, earth or hell or whatever and finds, like, that people in hell are actually good and the world is backwards and God, like, which is, like, a stand-in for the industry titans or the media and are actually questionable in their authority. And, like, I think in this song, like, she's, attempting to escape the power the industry holds over her which is the one guy who's chasing them and like take some sort of that like that power for herself on the way out and not be alone while doing it by grabbing an accomplice but then the story here sadly becomes a tragedy because she has to leave like the bonnie to her clyde and like strike out alone hence why she like sings like us traders never win because she hasn't won she's like alone again at the end and she's like kind of remorseful about that and like when she's singing like should have known like crying at the end like should have known and like don't pretend like um it like sounds like she's chiding herself and um like she shouldn't she should have known she couldn't win this and like like that kind of theory is like also supported by the violins underscoring the section when she abandons um him or her or them um and it sounds like the violins playing when the titanic sinks like which is like a moment like in the film when the audience is attending to be like really really sad at that point and like um Taylor is like effectively abandoning ship when she leaves this person and like plummeting into the water below like because she's like flying in a getaway car there's like ships there's there's planes there's there's planes (laughs) trains and automobiles um and like meanwhile um the industry slash media has like isolated her again and she's like left to like regard this as the worst crime she's committed and it also like points back to like the philosophy that like being the first to leave from some like from I did something bad um, like, despite us as an audience knowing, like, that's an erroneous, like, notion, like, now she's learning that, I think, here. Like, she doesn't like that she did this to this person. Um, and then, like, in the final section where she's, like, riding in the getaway car and dying and crying in the getaway car, she's alone again. And it, like, could be interpreted, like, that she succumbs and she's, like, caught by the people. Um, and, like, and again, like, then there's this continuum of escape and finding an accomplice and abandoning the accomplice and, like, getting caught and escaping. And, like, it just starts, like, all over again. And, like, she's... Because she sings at the beginning, think about the place where you first met me. So that al- it alludes to this continuum. Like, that she's always in this getaway car. Um, yeah. yeah, and, like, the instrument ends... Instrumental kind of ends the same way it began, except for one thing. We've had this major key change in the middle of the song to elevate the the excitement as we go into this bridge with the we were jet set bonnie and clyde so it's like we come back to where we started except we're we're different we've changed a little bit which is something that she's certainly done before lyrically i also like this moment that you were talking about earlier with the um uh, us traders never win where she alters one of the chords she gives us instead of a major chord she gives us this very heartbreaking minor chord and as she sings that she also gives us a classic taylor swift tea drop on this never win which is note wise is like the major iteration of it but it's against this unexpected minor chord so it's like very bittersweet and one of one of her best settings of that melody as as the narrative changes and she ends up starting to like blame herself and and, um like the the whole scope of the album starts to change yeah uh should we get on to the continuation of the story in king of my heart Absolutely. Where she's perfectly fine and all on her own. <laughs> I know. I love how she she like literally like dies or gets caught at the end of the last song, and then she starts this one. Hey, I'm perfectly fine. I died. I laughed so hard. 
<laughs> like, like, like she's like taking the piss on herself. Maybe she's like, like, okay, I know that I just mythologized myself in this epic poem a second ago, but guys, I'm fine. I promise. I was just indulging the moment, and the moment was calling for me to encapsulate the plot of an opera into a pop song. <laughs> like, yeah. If, it's like another song that also gets like very bombastic, but she's like, let me try and reel it in for a moment. And then she can't, she can't help herself, but get all like massive production all over again. Oh, um, I, I like that she incorporates the, this vocoder that she's been doing. She like incorporates it into the chorus instead of using it on its own. Um, it's a new, new take. It felt kind of, um, randomly it felt very like speak now era for the first, like the very first part of the verse. I mean, it's one of the more melodic songs. Yeah, I like the um, the performance of Crush and Cups. I think she Ooh, does some fun, you know, vocal things there, just adding to the the overall like delivery of this album. How do we feel about Jaguars? <laughs> well, <laughs> moving on, moving on. <laughs> I just for me this song, Jaguars. I don't know. Ugh. I don't know if everybody else is gonna hear it this way, but this is not how I hear it. It's like so much of this album is in the key of C major, which means there's like no sharps and flats. And to me, it's just like, wow, it, they all sound very basic. And, you know, she uses a lot of the same chords for a lot of the, for a lot of the songs. So it's like, here we are with another four chord song in C major. And it's, it's like, we've heard it. We've heard this story. We've heard this song before. And it, it just, it all starts to sound very childish and, and basic to me. Well, right. we'll cut her some slack. She just she just was reborn like a couple songs ago. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, but like we want to she's actually she's learning like, the wait, she's here's a the baby. Here's why I point it out because if you watch the like behind the scene, like her crafting the song, she doesn't write it in this key. She like writes a lot of these songs in like more interesting like flat keys, sharpies, whatever you want to say. And then, like, at some point in the process, they decided all these songs were gonna put them in C major, and I don't know why. Like, I guess it sounds like. Ba- like more like formative like basic but like to me it's just like it yeah it's it's repetitious and childish that's what i get after so many songs in c major yeah maybe they hammered that point home too much <laughs> um so let's get into dancing with our hands tied which to me is taylor swift's queer anthem it doesn't get more queer than this and drew was touching upon it earlier but this is the album where everyone really started to go hard on the like Taylor Swift is a lesbian. These songs are gay. Why does she keep talking about, like, I don't want you like a best friend? Why is she avoiding pronouns all of a sudden? Mm, and this mm. song, I really hear it because she's, like, talking about, like, I loved you in spite of deep fear that the world would divide us against this, like, pulsating club beat. Like, if that doesn't make a queer anthem, I don't know what does. And certainly she mm. performed it, like, when I saw it. And, like, out of the woodworks, I was like, oh, like, all, and she did it, like, acoustically. And I was like, all these descended. gay couples are, like, slow dancing together. I guess this, like, really resonates with gay people. So I don't know. What do you think of the song, and what do you think of Taylor Swift as a as a gay icon? Let's let's go there. <laughs> Here's what I have to say. Uh, so I made a mistake when I was listening to these, and somehow I, I had dress very early on in my listening. Huh. I listened oh, no. to it, and I was like, ah, this is a queer song. It's like so clear. That one too. Um, that one too. And then going on from here, I was like, oh my gosh, it's a trilogy. And <laughs> here are the three. <laughs> And I guess in the order of the album, it would be Gorgeous, Hands Tied, and Dress. Interesting you say that because on Folklore, she's come out and said that there is an actual trilogy on the album. So maybe this is the first time she did it, just didn't tell anybody. Nobody picked up on it. And so she was like, oh, I didn't do it. Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing special here. All three of them, I was like, I just, I'm not listening to it any other way. It's just, I don't know. 
It seems so intuitive. <laughs> I no, I I buy it. I buy it. Um, Rafe, what do you think? I mean, I buy it now. Why? It's like somehow <laughs> I managed to just be like, no, it's it, uh, for the listeners at home. I'm I'm painting. I'm I'm straight, all straight here. Just paint. <laughs> um, I'm happy for that narrative to be the one. My God. I, I also want to say, like, I love to inspire deep fears of the world divide us is followed by a question. So baby, can we dance through an avalanche? And it's like so many questions. It's like yeah, questioning. Totally. Hmm. Oh. It's just so, so queer. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, now that we've all said it, and by we all, I mean all of you, I I, I, I was blind. <laughs> Wait, I, didn't, I didn't read that much. I didn't read it as... as it's like, like you like turned as... my bed into a sacred oasis. Yeah. <laughs> I also like that this chorus where she sings about the swaying as a room burns down, like revisits this, mm. the bridge from I did something bad, except now that like she's no longer alone. She's, you know, burning with somebody as, as the fire is burning them down, as the water rushes in, like all this imagery that she has is like totally. coming to destroy her, but like with this person that it's like them against the world. Yeah. Um, um, I will say once again, though, this probably is, it's probably not queer. Um, I believe yeah, this song is speculated to be a, a, a Calvin Harris take as it kind of emulates his production on his songs. She's like kind of made this like Coachella EDM type song. And it's like, guess what? I dated the, you know, a big EDM guy and now I'm going to make a song in that style. She's like That's done so it funny. again. I mean, my logistical question for the group is, um, what are their hands tied to? Are, like tied together, tied to each other? I always imagine behind to... their backs, but I don't. I didn't. Th- I've like, never what, questioned it. Yeah, like I think it's like tied to other really responsibilities. Like they're both like cuffed with somebody else. I guess so. I don't know that but somehow I did like the song, but then I, I was thinking about it, and I was like, I guess I don't. I don't know if this image really resonates like speaks to me in any in any sort of meaningful way just because i can't really imagine like the what what's the tie you know and and i i believe daniel you're probably right of the tied to like other responsibilities tied to like the world's i mean tied to your reputation but yeah um, tied to the fact that they're both in the closet because this song is secretly about carly <laughs> class what <laughs> it's the truth um did anybody just notice that she like literally belts a high G at the in the end of yes! the song? <laughs> I did. <laughs> and thank God. <laughs> I'm glad somebody else broke out their pitch pipe and was like, "Damn, this is high." <laughs> yeah, it did really take me aback. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody who doesn't have this moment memorized, it's in the last chorus where she sings, first time, first time." It's like very distant in the background. It's a harmony nobody's listening to oh, but no, for me i'm I like wow that one time that one song she really belted a g <laughs> oh wow okay, it's I've like a vita level <laughs> <laughs> yeah she said <laughs> patty who i am um, i said the prediction of this song sounds like an intimate race against the clock which is a very novel mm. soundscape and also like mm. thinking back to like time continuum Again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hammer in all of my metaphors no, because Taylor does it. Why shouldn't you? Yeah, thank you, Absolutely. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of getting hammered, should we talk about dress? Yeah. The secret moments in a crowded room could they be in gorgeous? I just like to throw that out there. Ooh, I, I'm really starting to see that connection now. Oh. 
Mm. Yeah. I really like the uh, parallel imagery of Enduring Marks, one with the golden tattoo and the carving in, mm. into the bedpost. Very mm. evocative. Mm -hmm. um, I also said this is a very, a, this this is a very erotic song, probably the most erotic thing she has ever written. Um, totally. I'm really taken aback by that, like, my hands are shaking um, from holding back from all this ha, ha, ha. Like, what is totally, that totally. ha, ha, ha moment, Taylor? I said this song is structured like, like back-to-back -back orgasms like over and over again and like yes that is what i was thinking like i love her choice to go post-verbal on like the ahahaha into the chorus because some things like orgasms can't be encapsulated in words so she's like well let's not even try i was gonna say i feel like the that kind of vocalization is very much within her canon of like what she's done before like i was thinking of um while the stream same kind of so it's like very much within her repertoire to do this exact thing but i i think it's totally like you know as you both have said, it's like so much more sexual in this um, rendition of it. But I think that's that's a cool thing that she's incorporated something that she already does into this like um, yeah, you know this is more visceral feeling. <laughs> I mean that has big red, white, and royal blue vibes <laughs> because <laughs> for those who haven't read the book. Um, it's like partially a long distance relationship. Anyways, um, it's I think, all the no, tropes. I, it's like enemies to lovers. It's a totally. secret relationship. It's distance. All the pie. But I all think it's eggs. it's it's all of this like tension of like I'm going to see this person and it's going to be special and like I know it's gonna happen and so like the the like hand shaking and like the buying of the dress like just for you know you know like she's Ooh. not buying the dress to like go out on her own she's like buying this dress to get it taken off and I think it's like I don't know there's there's like a special kind of um, there's well, a it's special like anticipation kind of, yeah, yeah there's and a I like how she builds it up with this pre-chorus with the all the silence and patience pining it in anticipation mm. it's very percussive there's all this internal totally. rhyme and it's like stays low to build up that feeling to um further lend credence to the queer reading of this song um mm. in my queer theory class we were talking about how um part of queerness is like inherent contradiction and this song is really playing with contradiction and how sultry yet ethereal the production is and like how sexy it is and how like specific it is but then also coy like it, there's lots mm. of contradiction going on in the lyrics and also in the production um, that totally. that lend themselves to a queer reading. I, I like it. Uh, let's talk about our last big, um, big character piece. I would say this is totally, why we totally. can't have nice things or short mm. titles. Apparently, um, I love this song live. <laughs> I really love this song live with the fountains and the play, like the playing with the fire imagery and the wet energy. I, and it does have, like, incredible... I, I like the imagery in the beginning with, like, the swimming in the champagne sea and the bass beat rattling the chandelier that definitely sets up the castle that's going to crumble later on in, in the next song. And, and yeah, she, she set up themes of destruction, and this this plays into that. Um, to me, the song is just sounds very... It's like, ah, yes, we've gotten another Jack Antonoff chorus. We know what he does. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it sounds like more schoolyard taunts, and I don't know if it necessarily has, has teeth, but um, I don't know. What did you think? Okay, so the first time I listened to this, I perhaps took it too literal. And she's talking about, like, in the first verse, the, like, the elaborate parties. And I was like, we get it, Taylor. You're very wealthy. Like, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> and then she's like, this is why we can't have nice things. I'm like, Taylor, you still have nice things. Oh, um, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and then upon a second listen, I, I got the, the, you know, literary reference metaphor of it all. 
And it's just, it's fun. I get what they're trying to say, and it's catchy. Don't you think it's a little late in the narrative of the album to be having this kind of a song? I think we've we've strayed a bit from reputation uh, thematically. So I feel like this is a way in which to reintroduce it. Totally. Well, I don't want it reintroduced. It's like we have this. Okay, we have this bridge where she sings about forgiveness, and I, I on its own, I like how she has this like boys choir, and it's very like saccharine, and then it breaks down, and she's like laughing and saying like I can't even say it with a straight face. But in the terms of the whole album, it's like I thought we just went through all this learning and growing, and now you're still like doing these cheap jabs. Like why, why are we bringing it back here? To me, this struck me as like, oh, I'm glad that she's like in a stable place now. Do you know what I mean? Like, this I is think not this, a stable song. It totally is. It's I, like, yeah. it's like I have I have people who love me unconditionally. I have people who like don't care what the media says about me. So yeah, go ahead and try to like break my party and shatter my things. Like, I'll clean it up. You know, I'll take it away from you. I'll take your little toy <laughs> and just know that like you, I literally don't care about you anymore because I'm in such a better place in my life. But if she didn't um, care, she wouldn't have written the song in the first place. She's well, like, listen, she's trying <laughs> to make a, a record. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I like what Rafe is saying. Like, I think, yeah, it's like, she's, She's, like, belittling her bullies on the playground by shoving, like, the power she's now realized she inherently, like, possesses into her bully's face. Or face, totally. sorry. I just had a thought, and, and Rafe, you've led me there, that do you think this um, ties, this whole, like, I'm going to take your toys away, do you think it ties back to, um, God, what's it called? Innocent, where she's, like, uh, wasn't it easier back in your schoolhouse days? And she's, like, bringing it back there, but she's, like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to give you that, you know, grace anymore. <laughs> forget right. it that we're apparently totally. treating this like a playground and you're the bully and i'm gonna take it away right totally i think so i think it's like you know it, it's the still it's it's still in within this character realm of like um she's like i see that you're still um kind of within the like look at what you made me do and like i did something bad kind of realm like that's that's what you want from me still and like um, I did that for you. Like I gave you those little things, but like, just so you know, like I'm not letting everything like ruin my life anymore. Um, and I have people around me who like don't believe in like what other people say about me. Um, yeah, it's like very like, okay, pack it up. Oh, I liked the, um, not, not to make it about me. I liked the, um, the, in the beginning, this juxtaposition of like this sort of like dinky piano, like right before the chorus, um, you know, like just very like dialed back, um, accompaniment that, that almost sounds like a little vintage and, and then into this, like, you know, very strong, um, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, I, I see that. I feel like every song at this point has been like, dichotomies of things thrown together it's like we have one one type of verse and then we have another very explosive chorus and she's just like putting all sorts of things together so at this point it's like it doesn't even face me because i'm like yep here we go another one where like it's just good you got some crazy combination of things but i i i I do appreciate that now that you've Mm. said that and this is one of the songs (laughs) i would never skip i use i i liked this song a lot back and i yeah i I like i I just like it Um, should we move on to the to the next song? So I I really like this. Okay, so we're on Call It What You Want. Um, and she once again brings back the uh, the choir from the bridge of This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things, except like here she lets it come to a close. She like lets it finish. And to me, it feels like 
like restitution and and coming to grips with with what she's lost and what she's learned. I I, I really enjoy that. Um, and in in verse two, she has vocoders in in the background, like a vocoder voice effect. But I don't even think it's her voice anymore. So I think it's like really wrapping up all of the imagery that we've had. Um, she has the like royalty imagery with they took the crown, but it's all right. Um, and and all the jokers dressing up as kings. Um, she sings, you know, he built a fire just to keep me warm. That's wrapping up all the fire imagery we have. And um, even come, brings, we've talked about highs and lows. Um, and she sings about, you know, uh, walking with his head down is like the, the low. And then it, later she sings high above the whole scene. So you get that contrast again. One more theme to tie up after that high above the whole scene. Loves me like I'm brand new. It's like the ascension mm-hmm. theme and also yeah. like the rebirth slash continuing totally. theme with like yeah, I'm brand new. It wraps it all up very nicely. It's, yeah, I totally. That's exactly what I wrote. Yeah. And um, I also love the, the love story parallel in the bridge. Um, the, the Would you run away? Yes. Is very similar to the to the chorus of love story mm-hmm. yeah i i wrote like the castle crumbling feels like a callback to songs like love story and long live and white horse <laughs> sure. and like that former self who put so much stock into like truth and the inherent justness of like fairy tales slash like the god figure that she's been playing with in this album and now she knows that like to live in that castle happily ever after is like a lonely fate ultimately because um, nobody yeah. is like nobody nobody exists at that level level of like perfectness of perfection um so there's nobody up there with her um if she actually is adhering to that good point good point yeah i think the the line that i was most drawn to for whatever reason was um when drew just said uh love me like i'm brand new i just i I found that like very sad like that that that's such a meaningful that she feels like i mean not (laughs) yeah yeah, totally like like this is such a a new experience for her to like be given a a fighting chance almost um um not you know i'm it's it's bittersweet in in that it's like obviously it's nice that she has it it. and and um but just very but the fact that she was 26 and not having found it this yet um, human. Yeah. Well, so many, some of us are approaching that. Um, <laughs> um, in other ways, though, it's like if we're if we're going with this whole like rebirth, fresh from the womb thing, though, it's like in many ways she does feel like she is brand new. Right. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was like the theme I was yeah mentioning. Um, I also I know that the line "You don't need to save me, but would you run away with me?" Because I think she's traded in like her preference for the fairy tale narrative for like the vigilante transgressive narrative with like robbers and like running away and like saying that this is actually like she wants to escape. She doesn't want to live happily ever after. And like, but yeah, drawing in the love story parallel. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, once again, like delicate. She doesn't have to weaponize her voice. This is very approachable. This is very honest. Um, and I think this would be a perfectly fine place to end the album, but it doesn't. I was going to say that. <laughs> well, I also feel like, too, it, it, it feels like the closure for the reputation theme for yeah. me, yeah. narrative for me. Um, and obviously, New Year's Day has, you know, in their talk of memories, it, I'm sorry, I'm going into New Year's Day. You know, we we can bridge the conversation. Uh, for listeners at home, play both "Call It What You Want" and "New Year's Day" at the same time while you're listening to this. Um, we're bridging. The conversation <laughs> well, what, now. what kind of cacophony would that create? Oh, and who knows? You know, New Year's Day—the whole um, 
the the hold on to the memories they will hold on to you i feel like is the thread that that ties it into reputation and you know there's there all 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 of the memories from the past whether good or bad whether of the person like of Taylor's personal life or like her experience with the media i feel like they're kind of all embodied in that in those lyrics in that sentiment um but overall i feel like this wouldn't have to be on this album in the year's day it's a it's very much epilogue to the story that call it what you want already concluded yeah i agree um to me i i kind of wish call it what you want was a conclusion because it's like even when she finds peace and even and when it comes to end she's like still using these like trap beats and and the sounds that she's using for the rest of the album but then she gets to new year's day and it's like and then i stopped using all of those scary sounds isn't it nice that we've gone back to being acoustic and i don't know country roots that's a very interesting point um that's that's my more cynical reading of it i don't know i do like the lyric um the um don't ever become a stranger whose laugh i would recognize anywhere because it does show that like the only criticism criticism she fears at this point is that of her of her loved ones so yeah, i mm. i um i said that lyric like hints at the instability like taylor still feels in this song ultimately like even the song's ultimately about finding stability like it's a final point of tension to end the album on that's like mm-hmm. really kind of nicely complex like because it's like though like i will hold on to you is like the like phrase that she like technically ends on the other like um the please don't become a stranger whose laugh i can recognize anywhere dissipates before the song like ends um like so like we see what taylor wants to leave us with like is the stillability but like that is still present um and like as this uh, counter like argument or like not argument but like counter like narrative like worry that's happening in our head yeah um and i like that she yeah yeah, i like that she doesn't end just strictly on like this idea that she's stable now and it's fine like um or like even a chord it just sort of like fades out and you don't know if it's gonna go on in perpetuity yeah that's so good (laughs) um i i wrote um don't read the last page that line i think in my interpretation it's a reference to when harry met sally um because when (laughs) harry tells sally at the beginning of the movie i always read the last page of a book so in case i die before i finish it i know how it ends and like here taylor is like telling her love on like new year's like which is by the way the final scene of harry met sally like is is happens on new year's too um, I buy this. I definitely like, buy this reference. Yeah, like he like doesn't like she's saying like you don't need to read the last page. Like I'll be there. Don't worry. It's like I, it's it's a nice little epilogue uh, to the album because yeah. like she's learned like she, she's learned that she doesn't want to be the first one to leave. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. This was that was like just a defense mechanism and the the industry implanted in her and to keep her isolated and now she's not gonna leave and she'll be more powerful for it and like that I can, I can actually also see, like, her being the Harry in this, like, in the Harry and Sally interpretation, like, I, um, and that, like, her companion is the one singing this to her, like, Mm. the whole album, like, has detailed her struggles, and while, and while, like, I'm sure her partner deals with ups and downs, too, like, the lines, I stay when it's hard or it's wrong or making mistakes feel more applicable to Taylor at this point, um, and, like, only because, like, we've become so acquainted with her struggles in this album, so, like yeah, they. I don't know. It it doesn't have to be like Taylor singing this song to her lover, and it could be the other way, or it could like you know. There's lots of fun interpretations to be had, um, which is cool. <laughs> and 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 uh, her partner, as so far as we know, he has stayed, and so 
we will have to see where she goes from here yeah. without um so much tumult in her life. <laughs> right. Um, any other other inner comments on the song? I think it's very sweet. I like it a lot. It's charming. Um, I, I like think it it's too. just I really like the the sort of sentiment that I really appreciate is like I don't just want you for like the midnight kiss and like the photo op, you know, the the public spectacle of this relationship. Like I want to be there to like clean up messes and like yeah. um deal with stuff. And I, I, I want I, just, I want I really an like average that. relationship. I don't just totally need exciting yeah. parts all the time. Yeah, like yeah. back to what Dan was saying with like the fading out and not sharing with being sure. Like there's no like certain end to this like album. It's like the idea of holding on, continuing on, like the continuum, finding like connection and like yes, the fears are always going to be present, but they're manageable and like not to be like confused with curable because curable is like way too absolute. Right. But like she she knows that because like she's left us with this complexity at the end of like trying to fight off the 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 or not fight off, but like. Um, also hearing the please don't ever become a stranger whose laugh I can recognize anywhere like in the back of her mind still is present yeah I have one I have one more thing to say and it's sad take us home okay (laughs) um I just want to say if you don't even have to include this because it's very non sequitur at this point but I um I was diagnosed with anorexia the fall that this album came out and I used uh, images of Taylor from the 1989 era as, like, a source of inspiration and, like, as a way to, like, beat myself up for not being as thin as her. And, like, when this album came out and she wasn't, like, super thin anymore, I was, like, like maybe, like, more healthy at a more healthy weight. I was, like, I was, like, ultimately grateful to, like, see these new images of her. Um, but, like, also they didn't ultimately, like, save me by any means because there was still, like, a lot more motivating my anorexia than, like, just Taylor. But I like just want to say that the image she projects of what an acceptable body looks like holds a lot of power. And like, I'm glad mm. she talked about her challenges with eating disorders in her documentary, Miss Americana, because and like, please go watch it because it just it just sucks to hate your body. And like and I still hate my body. And like the notion of what is desirable is dictated and upheld by people like Taylor. And I'm glad to see she has like publicized part of that journey because like it needs to be talked about more openly. Um but yeah, like when, like when I would like have when I had anorexia um, or like the, you know, the when it was diagnosable for me, like I would confide in people about it. And like so many more people than I thought would respond by saying like, yeah, I have like disordered eating habits, too. Or like I had an eating disorder in the past or like I have body dysmorphia and it's just so much more common than we think. And like yet there's such a social stigma isolating us from each other um, to talk about it. And so that's like um that's that's one thing I want to say, and I also wanted to say um, I I picked my like eating disorder like back up the following summer, and I went to like Taylor Swift's Reputation tour like after like two months of eating like nothing but a pack of peanuts per day from a vending machine, and like when I saw Taylor, I like had eaten like four pieces of pizza with my sister like for dinner that day, and I had so much anxiety from eating those like that that pizza that like I jumped around all night and like flailed and sang as loud as I could because like I was panicking about the amount of calories I had just consumed and like I had to exercise as much as possible at that concert in order to spend all that energy and like I I banged into the chair like in front of me so much that like I got a huge a huge bruise that like like refused to like go away for like nine months after because like I refused to like regularly feed myself the nutrients that would repair that bruise and it just like it sucks and like 
and you, you don't like you don't have to use all this, but like it's just such poison. And I love Taylor, and it doesn't, but it doesn't change the fact that like the image she projected prior to Rep had a hand, so had some sort of hand in my eating disorder, and like I just love to see her talk about it even more than she already has, or like maybe write about it in a song or something, because it's like it just sucks. It just sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you for for sharing that wonderful story of your journey <laughs> your, con your continuing journey that that's that harrowing <laughs> harrowing but um i don't know it it, it is you know wonderful that you're get you're you're getting and you continue to fight against you're getting past it and you're continuing to fight against it and of course of course i'm going to include it because it's important to say like you said and to have that visibility i'll probably include some sort of a trigger warning at the beginning of the episode but um that's I, I I'm so glad that you're confident enough in yourself to like in your journey to to share that with everybody so you could be your own um, inspiration for somebody else listening. So so thank cool. you. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Drew, thank you so much for being on this episode. Oh my gosh, yeah. I screwed up my line. No. <laughs> Go back. <laughs> Drew, thank you so much for being on this. <laughs> no, one more time. <laughs> Drew, thank you so much for being on this episode with us. It was so fantastic to hear your thoughts on this album. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this was the first um, album that I listened to as a fan of hers. And so it, it holds a very um, dear place in my heart. So thank you. <laughs> well, we made it through Reputation. And honestly, I'm going to miss the all black color palette. Much love to Drew for taking us on this philosophical and literary journey this week, and to Raven Emily, even though I'm pretty sure you're lying about not being Swifties yet. We'll be back in two weeks to discuss Lover, Justice for Cruel Summer. So until then, I'm Daniel, and thank you for listening.